Hello, Frank Mickens back with part two of a message entitled Our Rights. We dug into this last week and I really felt the move of God as he is unveiling his heart, but also unveiling and exposing how we can get indoctrinated with the American dream. Our Rights part two is thought provoking. I praise God for you being here and I can't wait to get into more of how God is explaining to us how he doesn't want us to get carried away with our rights or what we think our rights are. Stick around. Thank you so much for joining us yet again for this episode of Faith Fire Media. It is again the second installment of a message entitled Our Rights. And I'll give you a little bit of a refresher in just a moment. But uh, yet again, just want to tell you if you're the first time watching or listening to us, you could be watching on our YouTube channel. You might be listening on our podcast on uh, the various platforms. I just want you to understand Faith Fire Media is a ministry of Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries. And the mission of our ministry is to fan the flame of revival around the world. We want to see people coming to Christ, living only for Christ. That we can stand in the fire of this world and know that Christ is with us. That we can love not our lives unto death. That we can become truly living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It comes with the territory to give our entire lives. God says, I am a consuming fire. He wants it all. He owns us and he gently moves us toward more and more surrender. And that surrender is what brings the power of God in our lives, the overcoming power. So that's what we want to see in people. We want to see people saved, set free and delivered from the world of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, the schemes of the evil one. So we praise God for you being here. Uh, much of what we do here in Faith Fire Media is literally just sharing with you the word of the Lord pertaining to things that are going on in current events. And he is speaking uh, quite clearly about this, this issue of our rights. Now, if you want to partner with our ministry, you can go to faithfireworldwide.com. You can also sign up for our email newsletter to get the word of the Lord to your inbox uh, as we are releasing those. We also have um, text alerts so you know we're, we're coming on live. You can simply text the word faith fire, one word, to 55498, and then you'll be alerted when we're going to be on live. All right, so let's dig back into our rights part two. Last week I told you I saw this sign on someone's truck and it served as a confirmation from the Lord. It was time for me to release this word. I got this word from God. I studied this uh, back in October and the Lord just put it in my spirit to put it on the shelf and wait. And so when I saw this sign, I heard the Lord say, OK, now it's time to talk about our rights. And now this sign on this person's truck said simply married to freedom till death do us part. I'll say it again. Married to freedom till death do us part. And. There was this issue with that where the Lord was saying to me, we're married to Christ. And, and, and our lives belong to Christ. So when we die, we're dying to Christ. Amen. We're not dying for freedom. We die for Christ. And in America, that's a very radical concept that people are like, well, why would you die for 
Christ, that doesn't even make sense. Well, the Lord owns you. He bought you with his blood. Amen, somebody? He said to Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said three times, yes. And finally, Jesus says, you have, I'm going to go to this passage, Lord. I praise God for this. Let's go to the book of John. So I'm going to read this to you. This was not in my notes, but this is so expressly perfect for the concept of what I'm trying to get across to you out of my times in prayer and study, talking to Jesus about this. So in the book of John, we're at chapter 21, and Jesus says, three times, do you love me? And then Simon Peter says, yes, three times. And then it says in verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus then said to him, feed my sheep and says now, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, verse 19, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So what are we saying? Peter was being said, when you were younger and you weren't walking with me, you could do what you want. You could go where you want. But now that you're saying you love me and that you will feed my sheep and feed my lambs, now they're going to take you where you do not wish to go. The Bible says that we should bear our cross daily. The Bible says that no one is fit for the kingdom of God who takes their hand, to put their hands to the plow and looks back. It's all about emptying ourselves of our rights. It's all about emptying ourselves of our free will to do whatever we want. And so last week when I was talking about that sign and this concept of our rights and the issues that we have in, in, in America with regard to our rights. Pardon me. I was saying in Genesis chapter three, it's perfect. The serpent comes in and says, you have a right to every tree in the garden, but he lied. We don't know our rights well enough. That's why God told them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and, e good and evil. We are not righteous without Christ. We don't have the ability to adequately administer justice, administer rights, administer truth. That's why we have the written word of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the voice of God, because we need his truth and we need to remove ourselves from it. What am I getting at? The, the, the serpent comes to them and says, you have a right to that tree, but they didn't. And she even told him we didn't. We don't. And he comes back and says, well, but if you eat of it, you'll be like God. You'll know Good and evil like God. But that wasn't God's determination for them. That wasn't God's desire for them. And so then they put themselves in God's place and say, oh, we know better than God. And this is what we do when we, we fight for our rights. We think we know better than God. 
And I talked about from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 through 4 about how we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ, not from the government. So when you think your issues with the government, no, the issue is where is your faith? Are you putting your faith in the right place? Where are you discontent? Paul was imprisoned, beaten, flogged, left for dead, stoned. Peter hung upside down on a cross, says the historical tradition. These apostles that we look at and we see them as so perfect. Well, they weren't. But what they were was committed to dying for Jesus. The book of Revelation says in the last days, the days of the tribulation, the end time church, they're going to be people who love not their lives unto death. And, and the Bible says in that same passage, they overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. They were so committed. They are going to be so committed. It's all about Jesus and their testimony of Jesus. That's it. So God is wanting to empty us of all these things that we say we have a right to. And I talked last week about where we go wrong is we think we have a right to something because we can do it. Because I can, I should. Now we all know that's crazy, but we don't always apply that wisdom to things that we do. Facebook is filled with people who have a right to say what they want because we have the First Amendment. They have the ability to say what they want, but they're using the power of the tongue as poison. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. But we're using the power of our tongue not to give life but death. That is not glorifying Jesus. It's not bringing people closer to Jesus. It's not exemplifying Jesus. It's wrong. It's sin. And it comes from this indoctrination in America that because I can say it, I should. And I can be a pastor, a minister, an evangelist, a prophet, and say whatever I want and feel entitled. But that's not the heart of God. So we've got to do some heart checking in this season. Would you believe that God has allowed a pandemic, political strife, racial division as opportunities to expose the condition of our hearts? Man, some of the stuff that's in the news and people are so opinionated and I'm like, wow. I even see folks sharing some of this stuff who are Christian brothers and sisters and it's just sin. It's wrong. And we think we should be spreading this poison because we can. But that's not Christ. God Almighty. Bible says that. We should be seasoned with salt and our words should be seasoned with salt. When you type, if it's not of God, it is not proclaiming Jesus. It is not salt. So let's talk about part two, because I'm going to ex extrapolate a little further here. And I do pray for the peace of God right now, Lord, over us that we might hear your voice, might know your heart. And um, move closer into your heart. In Jesus name. Amen. So Romans 13 verse 8. I want to just read this to you. This is a principle of the kingdom of God, of course, because it's God's written word. It says, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Wow. So you mean to tell me it doesn't matter if there is a constitution. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says, that my life's goal should be to love people, not fight for my rights. You mean to tell me that selflessness 
is a principle of the kingdom of God that, that literally Jesus coming and becoming as a man, making himself of no reputation was an example for us. You mean to tell me that Jesus washing the feet of Judas was an example for us? You mean to tell me that Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate being given an opportunity to defend himself and choosing not to was an example for us? Yes, he didn't fight for his rights. He knew where his right was and his right was on that cross. He had a right to die and receive an inheritance that he could only receive if he died. <clears throat> It's a principle of the kingdom that if we love Jesus, we love everyone and we owe no, no one, anyone, anything except to love them. And when we love, we fulfill the whole law. Jesus owes you nothing but his love. Ooh. But because his love is so all encompassing, that's all we need. Right. That means we have a right to his divine nature because he's saying you don't have a right to anything more than my love. And so as I am, you need to be. No one needs to owe you anything. and You don't need to owe anyone else anything except to love them. We have a right to his divine nature to love like that, to just owe people love. His divine nature is gentleness. His divine nature is the fruit of the spirit. So fighting for my rights does the does. The activity of fighting for my rights always line up with these elements of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy. When I'm fighting for my rights, do I have joy? When I'm fighting for my rights, do I have peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, humility, self-control? People believe in Christendom in America. That it is okay to spit fire spit poison, accuse people, call people names, browbeat, accuse, express personal opinions to other people's detriment. They think that is exemplifying being a Christian because they feel like they're right and they have a right to say what they want to say because they say this is a Christian nation and that we have freedom of religion. These things are demonic. It's iniquity. It's the serpent in the garden, the most cunning of every beast in the field, who came and said to Eve, you don't you have a right to eat of every tree in the garden? Meaning, don't you have a right to do whatever you want, despite what God said? That's called iniquity, taking what God said and changing it, leaving some of it, but changing it just enough. So that it's no longer God's will, his word. And we do that all the time. We take God's word. We twist it, make it about our agenda, which is to change people, make people do what we want them to do. That's iniquity. Jesus never did that. Jesus is the word and he never compelled people to do something that they didn't want to do. He didn't browbeat. He didn't pressure. He didn't manipulate people as the word he expressed himself and gave people an opportunity to accept his invitation to receive himself behold i stand at the door and knock if any man open the door i will come in and sup with him any man but they've got to invite him in we don't let people invite us we try to break down the door i keep hearing people saying we need to rise up i keep hearing people say we need to do this and show up and be loud. No, 
pray. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. I'm going to go to that scripture. There's so much power in prayer. We don't give it enough credit. We don't give God enough credit. Bible says that he's a judge, a righteous judge. And he says that if we will pray and not give up, that he will give us what we ask for, even though he bears long with us. I believe that's Luke 17. So things that we want to see are good. We want to see these things, but we want to see them now. We want to do it without the Holy Spirit's guidance and leading. We want to do it with our emotion. We want to do it with our know-how, our intellect, our ability to organize and gather people and read the word of God and use it as poison against people. We can do those things, but we don't have a right to it. He bears along with us. Why? Because he's trying to show us he knows best. He's going to do it in his timing for manifold reasons we don't understand. We've been having a lot of discussions about uh, race, uh, critical race theory and all these kinds of things. And this agenda, you know, people say there's an agenda to do this, an agenda to do that. Listen, pray about it. Don't browbeat people and accuse people and bring people to a point where you're being negative in your confrontations with people. What does the Bible say? Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, not the face of the government, and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We need to see where we've sinned. We need to repent for not just loving other people and fulfilling the law. This is how his love changes us into him. This is his divine nature. This is his priority, changing you into Christ, more and more like Christ. His priority is not for you to wear a mask. Jesus's priority is not your right to wear a mask. I'm going to say this again. Jesus's priority is not your right to wear a mask or not during COVID. That's not his priority. His priority is much broader and much more general and has many arms and legs. His priority is loving people who need healing and protection. His priority is your humility. It's for your protection in the spirit. Because when we are not humble, we are in danger. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Could it be the Lord allowed us to be exposed as prideful in some of the things we're fighting for as our rights so we can instead choose humility? I talked about this last time. We have a right to remain silent. Isaiah 53 and 7. This is the scripture that speaks of Jesus in the earth. Glory to God. It says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Watch this because this is our human nature, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Now our human nature says, as I turn to Isaiah 53, that that's, that's not right, that he shouldn't have been that way. This is why the Jews couldn't receive him as Messiah. Because it says in verse three, He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, 
and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Why? Because we're looking for a king who rises up and makes people do what he says. When instead, what he does is uses his kindness to bring us to repentance. Glory to Jesus. Wow, that's the good news. That he's not trying to browbeat you, manipulate you, force you to do anything. He just loves you toward life. And we should do the same. I'm going to read this again. We have a right to remain silent. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, 7. I said this last week as well. Everything you say can be used against you in a court of law. Jesus did not fight people with his mouth. He only spoke to reveal himself as the truth. So if I'm using my mouth and the power of the tongue for death and not life, well, that's an indictment against me, and there are consequences. Why? Because the Bible says I reap what I sow, and God is not mocked. So we've got to be careful with our mouths. Fighting for your rights with your mouth can turn backwards on you. It can return fire. So let's read this passage in John chapter 18. This is Jesus Christ himself in front of Pontius Pilate. Here's the king of kings standing before a governor. There's no competition there. And Jesus knows that. And this is where we need to be okay. There's no reason we should envy the world. There's no competition. We have everything we need that pertains to life and godliness right now in Christ. Everything we need that pertains to life and godliness, according to 2 Peter 1 and verse 2, 3, and 4, we have it right now through the knowledge of Christ. John 18. Let's start at verse 33. This is Jesus Christ. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? This is his opportunity. I am the king. Verse 34, Jesus, Jesus answered him and said, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? <clears throat> Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus said this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So he says, my kingdom is not of this world. I realize that I don't need to fight. If I wanted to fight, I could, but I don't need to fight. My rights are already established in heaven, just like God's word. Wow. The Bible says God's word is established in heaven. It's done. We don't have to worry. Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He shows us how anti-carnal he is. They wanted him to defend himself, but he refused to do it. He had an opportunity to defend himself, and he would not do it. Listen to this. John 19 verse 8. Actually, it started verse 6. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. His life's on the line now. Talk about your rights. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him for I find no fault in him. So he was innocent even in the eyes of the person judging him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God, which is true. So he was being punished for being who he is. 
So we can be punished and persecuted for being who we are as Christians in this earth. And we will. Verse 8, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And verse 9, went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate in verse 10 said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Listen to Jesus's response in verse 11. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. This is where we need to get a revelation in the body of Christ. The power of the government has been given to it by God. The power of the government to persecute you has been given to it by God. And as Jesus says, it would not have any power at all unless it had been given from above. So we need to rest in this. Instead of fighting the government, realize the government's doing its job. It's lighting us up. It's persecuting us. Why? So that we had an opportunity to look more and more like Jesus. What did the three Hebrew boys endure? They stood in a fiery furnace, but Jesus was right there with them. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar and the, um, the others that were with him, they saw this and they knew it was the Son of God. The power of God's revealed in persecution. The express nature and character of God through his people is revealed through persecution. And we want to avoid persecution. Don't fight for your rights anymore. Know that God has given you everything you need that pertains to life and godliness because of the knowledge of him. Know that he is your shepherd and you shall not want. As the NIV says, you have all you need. So we have a right to an attorney, the counsel of the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. We have a right to that attorney. That's, that's a right. The Bible says in John 14, starting at verse 15 in the Amplified, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved and helpless. I will come back to you. That's the right we have. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a promissory note. Promissory note. He was the down payment for heaven. We have all we need in the spirit of God. And then he goes on to say in the 21st verse, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Friends, more than anything, we are given the right to love Jesus. And that means to die for him, bear our cross, love as he loved sacrificially and not for our rights and comforts. We are called to be the light of the world. He is the father of lights. So he's the father of what? All of us as light. The original light of the world showed us how to shine. 
He emptied himself of his rights and died for those who didn't deserve it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, being fashioned as a, a man, a servant, made in the likeness of men. That's how you shine. You serve. You don't make yourself a reputation. You submit. He emptied himself of his rights and died for those who didn't deserve it. That's the mind of Christ. He defined love as death for others. Greater love hath no man than this, than one give his life, lay down his life for his friends. And now we must die to our rights and love Jesus and one another. Put down the sword, Peter. Don't cut off Malchus's ear and pick up the cross. That's my message to you. Put down the sword, pick up the cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your written word, for your God-breathed word, for your inspired word that is perfect for correction and instruction in righteousness, for rebuke and reproof. It's perfect. We don't need to add to your word or take away from it. It is what it is. We are called to die. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are new creatures in you. And we're not to be like the world fighting for our rights. We're to pray and turn from our wicked ways and seek your face so that you can heal our land, and forgive our sin in the process. We've sinned, Lord. I pray that we are at a place of repentance right now. Someone's at a place of repentance and turning away from this idea that we've got to fight and rise up. It's not how you did it, Jesus. You said in Isaiah 53, I'm going to turn to it real quick as I pray, that you were oppressed and afflicted, yet you opened not your mouth. You were led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. That is the gospel. You chose us before we chose you. In fact, you chose us. We didn't choose you. We considered, we considered you despised and rejected of men, a man acquainted with grief. But actually, you are showing your power that you owed us nothing more and nothing less than to love us, which meant to die for us. May we learn to die for you and for our brothers and sisters. Not giving up our faith in Christ, but showing people our faith through the works that we do. Faith without works is dead. And when we believe that we can walk in faith and do it selfishly, that's dead faith. Teach us, Lord, how to fulfill the law by loving others. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, so glad you're here. So glad Holy Spirit is here. I pray he's ministering to you and bring you to a place of peace, self-control, and humility. That's where the glory of the Lord is. The glory of the Lord is not where people are loud and screaming and fighting and worshiping with, a, with an agenda, trying to force things to happen, force the government to pay attention. Evangelism happens quietly behind closed doors. That's how we need to be praying, praying for laborers to enter into this harvest in Congress, in the boardrooms, in businesses, at churches, and schools.
That's what we should be praying for. Pray that the Lord will send laborers into this harvest. May we be people who seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, so that you might hear from heaven, heal our sin, forgive our sin, and heal our land. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you want to give to our ministry, you can go to faithfireworldwide.com. You can also sign up there for our email newsletter and get the word of the Lord to your inbox. You can sign up for our text alerts as well by texting the word FAITHFIRE to 55498. That'll help you uh, find out when we're on live. You can always see our recordings and listen to our recordings. If you're watching us on YouTube, praise God for you. We'd love for you to like us and share it so uh, this algorithm thing will work out. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook or watching us anywhere, we praise God for you sharing this. We ask that you do the same if you're listening to us via your podcast platform. Thank you so much for your time. We'll be here next week. Praise the Lord. Thank you.